Good morning, everyone. It's a familiar passage with a, a timely message from Luke chapter 10, and it's in the Bibles, Pew Bibles, on page 1052, and I'm sure also on the screen. So it's Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going this, down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'm going to invite Paul Larkin now to come and speak to us. You know, it's one of the joys we have in the church is have it being part of the CAP community. And we're so grateful to Jane and those who have gone before Jane for all they've done to involve us in the work of CAP. And uh, so it's just great to have uh, Paul with us this morning. I'm just going to pray for Paul as he brings God's word to us, and uh, then I'll hand it over to him. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that as we have read your word, Father, I pray for Paul as he now speaks your words to us. Father, pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Lord, I pray that this word of yours will be for me this morning, that I will hear and understand it, and that I will be obedient to it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Well, uh, good morning to you, and... Uh, Thank you for inviting me to speak about CAP. I am the centre manager for the Western Area Debt Centre. So I, I run the debt centre uh, in, uh, in Western Supermare, which has been going for just, uh, just over a year. And I do the same role as uh, your centre manager, uh, Jane, here. Um, it's been an incredible year, I have to say, um, both personally.
personally and for the Western Area CAP Centre. Um, from the amazing provision of accommodation and finance for my wife and myself, as I made a personal transition from being team rector of four churches in the parish of Whirl near Western Supermare to debt centre manager, and to the way that uh, nearly 30 clients have, become, have begun a, a journey of becoming uh, debt-free. Let me just uh, explain how, for me, it came about. Um, my daughter had worked for Christians Against Poverty for about eight years, so I knew of CAP, um, but about, I think it was about six years ago, there was a meeting in Bristol, and you may have had some part of uh, organising it, but uh, John Kirkby, the founder of uh, Christians Against Poverty, came to speak about CAP, and uh, I remember going to one of the seminars that he gave when he was talking about the work that goes on in terms of helping the uh, people in severe debt to become debt-free, and also the other services that CAP was starting to offer. And at the end of the, the talk, I, w I was emotionally touched by it. I was, I was weeping and, and crying. I, I, remember, I remember saying to the Lord, I remember saying a prayer to the Lord, Lord, don't let this just be an emotional response. Let it count for more. You know, I don't know about you, but there are so many good causes, aren't there? So many places you can get involved in uh, different things and so many uh, missions and, and things like that. And, and, and so often we're moved emotionally. But, but I, I prayed a prayer that day. Now, fast forward to about 18 months ago uh, when it looked very much in Western Supermare as if we were going to be able to get this uh, Western, Western Area Debt Centre off the ground. And uh, people started saying, Paul, we think you're, you should be the, the centre manager. And uh, I, that wasn't a surprise to me, in a sense, that, that the Lord had been preparing that for, I think, for a number of years. Um, but I, I went for the interview at, in Bradford with Christians Against Poverty, and I was in the hotel having breakfast, and, and I suddenly started weeping. And I thought, where did that, you know, I've got an interview in an hour's time, where's that come from? Uh, I went back to the hotel room, and I felt the Lord say, Paul, you remember that prayer that you prayed when John Kirby spoke? Well, here's an opportunity, if you wish to take it, to do so. And when I went to the interview about an hour later, they said, why are you here? You know, what, what's motivating you? So I, I just said about this, and I said, look, I, I just feel as if the Lord's prepared my heart, and... I, he's giving me this opportunity if, if you agree. Well, they did agree. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the Western Area Debt Centre came off the ground. But in a sense, it was only the beginning because I knew the cost of it because as a team rector uh, in, in, a, in a, a fairly busy parish in, in, in Western, I, I knew that to give up my stipend and move on to a part-time salary from Christians Against Poverty... And also to give up my accommodation was going to be a big, big step. And I announced to the churches in February last year that that's what we're going to do. I knew that the five-bedroom detached house that I enjoyed living in um, would probably only be mine for about another three or six months. So it felt like a huge step of faith. But imagine my surprise. I honestly did not know how God was going to answer the prayer. I honestly did not know. Uh, imagine my surprise when about two weeks later... 
um, a local businessman in the area said, can I come and see you? He said, I heard that you're taking a big step of faith. He said, I've got a number of properties that I um, rent out to people in your situation. He said, we can agree a, a rent that's in keeping with your income. He said, the funny thing is the money for the next one is coming in tomorrow. He said, so he said to me and my wife, go and choose yourselves a three-bedroom house. Uh, we'll buy it and we'll get it for you. And that's exactly what happened. We went and chose a three-bedroom house in a lovely area and we, he bought it for us. And the amazing thing for me was that I got the keys for that house the day before I finished as team rector. It was almost like God saying, there you go. There you go, Paul, I can do it. I can provide for you. As I say, I will provide for you. So, for me, uh, an incredible journey. What have I discovered over the first year? Well, lots, and I was thinking of this parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, So let's just look at it. And uh, I want to talk in terms of three key aspects of the passage. The parable is given by Jesus in response to a question that a man asks about who is his neighbor. And uh, as we had read there, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Let's remind ourselves that this road from Jerusalem to Jericho has got about a 3,000 meter drop uh, through desolate country. And this was not just robbery that was taking place. This was violent robbery. And the man was left half dead. Now, Jane and myself visit people in all sorts of circumstances. And I have to say, as I reflect upon the first year or so working with Christians against poverty, and I hope this is not an exaggeration, but I think many of the people that we meet would describe themselves as, being, as feeling as if they'd been robbed and feeling as if they'd been left half dead. You know, CAP believe that there is unmanageable debt behind one in nine homes in the UK. You will have passed homes this morning in your journey here where there is unmanageable debt. And those statistics of, borrowing of personal borrowing of 200 billion echoes that. You know, CAP reckon that there is, uh, there is that unmanageable debt going on in the UK. And I think our experience bears that out. But the the fantastic news that you will have been living with for some time is that Christians Against Poverty enables churches to give professional, emotional, and spiritual help to our neighbors. And and already I've got a pipeline of clients. Some have gone debt-free. Some are um, on their way to being debt-free. Others are in the early stages. And some are on a debt management plan to help them through. The first thing that I just want to draw out this passage is just to remind you that the support you give to Christians Against Poverty enables us to provide free debt help to those that get into difficulties. And here you are celebrating many years of supporting the work in this area, of supporting those that are weighed down by their financial burdens. But the parable continues, and it's It says that the priest happened to go down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side and so too did the Levite. And let's remember that these were both religious people. They had a choice. They made a choice. The priest risked being ceremonially unclean if he touched the man. 
And as I was reflecting on the work over the last year, I was thinking, yeah, we had a choice. We had a choice in Western Supermare. You know, for years, Christians Against Poverty had been phoning up and trying to organize church leaders' breakfasts and trying to get some work going on in the churches because they were getting calls from people in debt in the Western Supermare area. And they, all they could do was pass them to another agency. And, and so the, the, the need was there. But it took a choice. And it took the churches working together, sharing the burden to do it. In Western, we've got a slightly different setup where we've got one lead church and 12 churches committing regularly to the work of the church, which enables me to draw from a wider base. But that one lead church was really important. It was Destiny Church in, in Western Supermare. And, and it was important because they kind of underwrote it. They said, yeah, we're going to do this. And, and that's what gave me, as well, the confidence to give up my role as team rector, uh, because I knew that someone was really, truly committed to it. But they had a choice, as you've had a choice over the years, to keep giving to Christians against poverty and to establish the work here. At the same as these priests had a choice. It's, it, was a, it is a free choice. And, and I had a choice as team rector to choose to lay that down. But God had prepared the way. He'd placed the work on my heart. He'd encouraged me to trust in him. And he's followed through. So the second thing for this passage, as well as free debt help, is there is a free choice involved. And let's celebrate today that you've made a choice to, to give practical help to enable Jane and myself and befrienders and others to go in front of people that are in severe circumstances, feeling robbed and feeling some ways half dead. But the third thing that is in the passage is the way that the Samaritan, uh, the, the, the exemplary service that the Samaritans give. See, he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Let's remember the Samaritans were despised by the Jews, but this Samaritan made a free choice not to, to, to not pass by, to, to give the free help and provide the exemplary ongoing care for the Jew. He tended to his wounds, he put the man on the donkey, and he walked beside the donkey on his way to the inn. He gave money for the man's care and offered to reimburse for any extra. And he'll be forever known as the Good Samaritan because of the free care that he gave and the thoroughness of the solution that he provided. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that, that Cap give free professional, emotional, and spiritual help to those that are in need. Let me unpack that a bit, because I think it's worthy of unpacking, because when you make your contribution to Christians Against Poverty, that's part of what you're getting. And this word professional may be a little bit wary by some, but I have to say, having been in industry for 20 years, that the, the, the help that is provided to people in debt is incredibly professional. Jane and I have got IT systems that are robust that we use, but when we go in and take a budget to someone, it's usually a, a, a 12, 13, 14, 15-page letter 
detailing all their options, approved by the Financial Conduct Authority, with different financial statements and budgets set out in different forms. You know, don't get the impression that we go in with a kind of scrap of paper saying, here's your budget, we think you can live on this. It's head office that is provided by the contribution that you pay that enables the staff in head office to produce these budgets. And believe you me, it is very, very professional. And I love being able to go in on behalf of churches and be able to take something like that in. You know, I think so often churches get uh, accused of, of just providing words and lip service and, 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 and things like that. But, but through Christians Against Poverty, the, 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 the help that we can provide is just incredibly professional, an incredibly professional solution to the person's need. And, and again, it gives choice. It gives them options as to which way they go. And we guide them through and help if they want to go down that route. So I think the first thing to say is it's just uh, amazing professional help that is given. Uh, but it's also emotional help. Um, CAP is pretty unique in that a fundamental part of the service is to visit people in their homes. And uh, we go out in twos so that our befrienders are such a crucial part of that. It's, uh, it's why Martin Lewis, money-saving expert, recommends CAP because he knows that we'll provide the emotional support. And I've got clients, and I suspect Jane has as well, who wouldn't last two minutes phoning up um, an advice line. They just, wouldn't, they just wouldn't last. And so the ability for us to go in and, and, and just help them and support them is enormous. I went into uh, a client last week who had her... Uh, he had a... A, support, a worker from the mental health team with her. And just about every question we were asking her about her debt, she didn't know. And I came away with a carrier bag full of unopened envelopes and bits of paper. I don't know how I'm going to get through that, but we're going to do our best. And it's that emotional support that CAP gives that, that is fairly unique that many people, I don't know what they would do I think some of them would just give up, and that's reflected in the statistics when we do hear that nearly a third of the people that call the Christians Against Poverty number there have considered suicide. You know, but as well as uh, the professional, practical, and emotional support, we give spiritual support. Um, you know, we'll visit anyone, regardless of their faith, their gender, their, their race, their age, anything. And it's made clear when people phone that 0800 number that, people, that the people visiting are from local churches and that they'll offer to pray for you. And uh, I'm always sensitive, but I, I always offer to pray. And uh, I, had, uh, I had someone uh, recently who uh, I, I came to... The, she'd already told me she was an atheist, so I thought, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do here. But anyway, I said to her, I said, would you mind if we pray? And she said, well, if it makes you feel better... That's, that's, that's fine. So I said, okay, I will. So I did. Um, and, and visited her two or three more times. And, and, uh, and, and she kind of warmed a bit. Um, but then about six months later, we took a, a blessing, a, a big Easter egg bundle with wrapped in cellophane. It was absolutely beautiful. It was a love, lovely present. We just took it to our clients. 
And I phoned her up and said, um, you know, we're going to bring something to you. She, she came out to meet us on the pavement. I was with a befriender, and she was, uh, we were having quite a conversation. They were chatting away, and she said to the befriender, oh, he's going to pray, he's going to offer to pray in a minute. And actually convicted me, because it wasn't in my mind. I'm sorry, Lord. But, um, <laughs> and, and, and so I said, well, okay, since you mentioned it, let's pray. And as we prayed, I, I just saw the Holy Spirit come on. I just saw her tears come down her cheeks, and she was clearly touched. I'd love to tell you that I led her to the Lord there and then, but it, it didn't quite happen that, that way. But we are always just sensitive to what God is doing in people's lives. She rushed back into the house, a bit embarrassed, but clearly touched. And, and so what I love about this work, and don't get me wrong, I, I enjoyed being... Um, you know, an ordained minister and, and, and still go out and, and do services around the diocese. And I'm still uh, assistant rural dean in the diocese of Bath and Wells. But what I love about this work is it is so direct. It, it, it is, it, you know, we go out on your behalf to people who are in incredible need. And we are able to give that practical emotional and spiritual help to them. And, and, and I love doing it. And I, I thank you and other congregations like you for enabling us to do it. It's, it's a tremendous privilege to, to be able to help so directly. And, 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 and I had another client who, when we visited her, she was in tears at the first visit. And you could see that, uh, that she felt there was no hope. She thought she was going to lose her house and it's great to be able to just, just speak hope into her life. And that's what we were able to do. And so as the visits went on, you could see her demeanor changing. You could see that she was starting to believe that we were carrying 20 years of experience of getting people out of debt when we go into her house. And, and she, she, could, she gained the confidence in that, as I've gained the confidence over the last year, that, that what Christians Against Poverty provide it's just such an incredible practical resource that brings hope into people's lives. And it's a fantastic privilege to be able to watch it in their eyes as the visits go on and as, as the weeks go on. So the third aspect of this passage, and you can see the Samaritan doing it, is what I would call free and phenomenal service. Remember we don't charge the clients anything for what we do. We don't pay their debts for them, but we don't charge anything to them. And a bit like the Samaritan gave that exemplary service, he just went so far. It's just great to be able to do the same on behalf of the churches, to go in and say, to, to, to know that we're carrying a free and phenomenal service into these people's lives. It, it is a tremendous privilege to do so. So, we all have a, a free choice. I had a, a, a choice to give my life to Jesus which I did at the age of 31. But we also had a choice as to what we do with our resources. I'm aware that I can only do the work that I do because of the 
churches giving, and that comes down to individual giving. I'm aware that CAP itself exists because of people that give us life changes. But from a local point of view, the church's giving enables us, and that comes down to a choice. We have a choice as to what we do, and a choice as to what we do with our resources. So I commit that to you this morning for your response, and I'd encourage you to pray. Pray for the work. Pray for us at the front line. Pray for those in administration. Pray for those who help out. But also just prayerfully before the Lord, just say, Lord, can I give any more to the work? Can I, uh, can I give in to enable these people to go out and to help what it seems to be an ever-increasing need? You know, at the end of the passage, um, Jesus said, or the, the, in the parable, it says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replies and says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And I think I want to encourage you this morning to keep doing likewise with your giving and your enabling and your prayer for the work of Christians against poverty here in this place. And I said to the Lord this morning, and I offer this to you, I just said, Lord, have you got a word for, for these congregations? And the words of Galatians 6 verse 9 came into my mind. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. Well, we're going to sing again. You know, one of the things we need to be able to show compassion to others is to have the Lord's passion in our hearts that it can overflow. And we're going to sing, There must be more than this. O breath of God, come breathe within. A song that asks God to fill us and set us on fire with love for himself. So let's sing together. Let's stand. <laughs>